Well, we are in a series called, um, Can You Relate? And I don't know, but sometimes when we're in relationships, it seems like we're going the opposite direction of whatever the other person is doing and where it's going. Can you imagine getting the end zone and all of a sudden realizing you scored points for the other team? What a bummer for him. Uh, speaking of football, I just need to let you know um, before I jump right in, uh, I've been working on something for a couple years and uh, was really excited because this week it finally happened and it's happening quick, uh, but this was the only week uh, that this person could be here for us uh, in our services. So on March 7th and 8th, uh, MVP, Super Bowl MVP, Nick Foles is going to be here in our services, all the weekend services. So you want to plan to bring somebody with you, especially all you guys who love football, um, backup quarterback, and then he got in in the Super Bowl. He got in a few games before that, and then he became the MVP. Uh, he's a strong believer. Uh, his wife grew up at this church. And um, it, brothers and sisters all grew up here, and so the whole family's coming, uh, the Moore family and the Foles family, and we're going to celebrate on the 7th and 8th, and you're going to want to hear his story, and you're going to want to bring somebody with you who might not come to church to hear me, and uh, that's okay, but they would come to hear Nick Foles, so bring them, because uh, we're going to share the gospel, and it's going to be awesome, and you're not going to want to miss it. So as we are in this series, can you relate? Um, we're talking about relationships, and relationships are husband, wife, kids, family, uh, work relationships, friends, whatever it might be. And we get to look at all the things um, that we deal with in relationships, which is a lot. And so we're going to wrap it up this week. And last night, we thought it'd be really special. Uh, we have nine different services on the weekend and three or four different campuses. And Amigos, our Amigos congregation um, has two. And our pastor, George, uh, asked our people, hey, if you are living together and you're not married, but you want to follow God's way and you want to do it the right way, uh, we want you to be married. And so 11 couples chose to be married. And last night, we had a wedding in our Saturday night service. And so there are the 11 couples. Uh, here they were on stage, which was just awesome. Uh, and it was quite uh, a night, let me tell you. And we got to see, really, um, the body of Christ uh, in action. And the diversity was in this room and the grace that was in this room. Uh, one couple had been together for 44 years and um, got married, and God uh, just did something. We marked something for God and his kingdom last night, and it was pretty special. Uh, and so we get to celebrate that, and we get to celebrate today kind of what God's done in the last couple weeks. As we look forward, I want to review, give you some cliff notes so you kind of know where we're at and what we've been doing. But here's the question we've asked, kind of the overall arching question. What is my God-given responsibility in fostering healthy relationships in my life? What is my God-given responsibility in fostering healthy relationships in my life? Jesus came on the scene. He said, there's a new way of living. There's a new ethic that I'm going to lay down. I want you all to understand, this is kind of where it begins, and this is where it ends. And in John, Jesus said these words. He said this, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Everybody will know there's something different because of your great love. And maturity in the Christian life is to be marked or measured by how well we love each other. If you're here the first week, 1 Corinthians 13.4, we understood that love is patient. James said it this way, hey, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. In other words, those that you love, love is patient. Second thing that we learned was this, love is not self-seeking. 
1 Corinthians 10 says, do not seek your own good, but seek the good of the other person. And Chris taught us this, that love works best when love works for the best of others. Yeah, when love is on display and it's at its best is when love works for the best of others. So as we begin today and we come into our, our final week of this, I want to remind us that we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Many of you got married. Many of you had this at your weddings. I've done it at a ton of weddings, but you need to understand something. This wasn't written for weddings. Um, it wasn't written just for marriages. It was written to the church. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul had planted this church, and they were just prideful, and they were mad at each other, and they weren't getting along, and there was a ton of infighting. And so he wrote chapter 12, 13, and he said, hey, everybody, listen up. There's just kind of a new way of living. And he said, you could have everything in the world. You could speak in different tongues. You could have money. But if you do not have love, you have nothing, not one thing. And he was saying, church, listen up. If you want anybody outside of your walls to see Jesus then something needs to be happening inside your walls that reflects Jesus. And he said, you guys got to figure out how to get along. And it starts with love. And so I want us to define this morning and understand that word love, because love has been defined by our culture. It's been defined by literature or music or advertising, but rarely has it been defined in the way the Bible defines it. And rarely is it lived out in the way that Jesus wants us to live out this thing called love. So biblical love can be defined like this. First of all, love is an action. It's not a feeling, it's an action. Love is an unconditional commitment. And love, well, it's a promise that is never broken. And he says, listen, in the context of love, as the foundation of your church, this needs to be front and center. And how is that lived out? Well, he writes in 1 Corinthians, he says, love is patient, love is kind, love is not self-seeking. And then he comes to one and it says this, love keeps no records of wrongs. How are we doing? <laughs> love keeps no record of wrongs. And now it's not an idealist book, the Bible. It recognizes that all of us are broken and we know hurt people hurt people. But Paul makes his point. He says, hey, if you're going to love and you're going to live in a different way that reflects my Savior, Jesus Christ, then love's got to be evident. And one of the ways it's evident in a mature follower is it keeps no record of wrong. So today we're going to talk about forgiveness. And what does that mean for each one of us that is in this place called friends this morning? Well, sometimes keeping no record of wrongs is hard for us. That, that translates, love does not reckon the evil. Reckon, here is an accounting term that means to put in one's account. It does not reckon evil. It does not hold it against someone. It's sort of like some of you, and me included, because I've been there. You have a file cabinet, and everything's good, and you've said those words, I forgive you, or you said, yes, you're forgiven. But at the moment that something comes up, You've been leveraging it for a while. <clears throat> and when that time is right, you pull out the file of the past. And you hammer. And you lay it down. And it's been in your file cabinet. And it comes back over and over and over. And it is at your disposal to use whenever you want to use it. And you know it. And actually, sometimes you kind of like it. Because you're able to hold it over somebody's head. You have a file. 
of unforgiveness. Some of you, it's a little bit different. It might not be in the file, um, but it's more like this. This is a, a record player. My daughter has a record player because they're cool again, I hear. And so it's a little record player. And some of you are like this record. You just haven't let it go. And unfortunately, in your mind, whatever the unforgiveness, whatever the hurt is, it just continually gets played over and over and over again, if I can get it on the record player. And as you play it over and over again, it just repeats itself and it loops. And you just can't seem to let it go. And so when Paul comes and he says, hey, followers of Jesus, members of God's church, love keeps no records of wrong. Just got to say, there's kind of a wall that goes up. But Jesus comes and he says, hey, everybody, I just want you to hear, this is the, the best way. This is my way. And I want to tell all of you this morning that the file cabinet or the record player, that is our natural inclination and instinct. And you and I, without Jesus and the power of the Spirit of God, cannot forgive, cannot forget, and many times cannot let go. But this morning, I want to help you to understand, if you're a follower of Jesus, that's not the way of our Savior. And I think you can let go this morning. And in a little while, I want to tell you how. But I want us to explore the Scripture and see what God wants from every one of us. I love what uh, an author said about forgiveness. And here's kind of a long definition. But it says, when you forgive another person, you're not declaring them innocent. You're just turning them over to God, who could be counted on to deal with them his way. You're saving yourself the trouble of scripting any more arguments or trying to prevail in this situation because it's not about winning or losing anymore. It's about freedom. It's about letting go. And that's why you often hear people who have genuinely forgiven another person say, it felt like a weight being lifted off my shoulders. Yes, that's exactly what it is. It's like a breath of fresh air rushing into your heart. See, forgiveness is a gift that continually gives freedom and it helps break you free from the chains of your past. But part of it is you have to let go and let God. I think that's why Paul said it this way in Romans 12. He said, do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room. Say those two words with me. Leave room for God's wrath. <laughs> for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. So just think about it. As you heard those words, do not take revenge, but leave room for God's wrath. As you heard them, I'm sure some of you had two very strong words that came to your mind because they came to mind. And they helped you justify the situation or the lack of trust that that verse wants you to have. And the two words are this, yeah, but. <laughs> yeah, but you weren't there. Yeah, but you don't know. Yeah, but you don't understand. And you're right, I don't. But I understand what Paul was saying. And he was saying, hey, everybody, take a step back. And if you want to understand forgiveness, then you have to leave room for God to work in your heart and in your offender's heart. Do not take revenge, for it is mine to avenge. Do not take revenge in... What I've learned is 
I just can't do that because all I want to do is get them in a room and take revenge, right? All I want to do is share what's on my heart. Do not take revenge, Matthew, but let God do it. And I can't do that because it's not a natural act. It's a supernatural act by the power of God living in us. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said these words. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I'm going to tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. There was a successful Irish boxer, and he was converted to Christianity, and he became a believer in Jesus, and his life was transformed, and he decided to become a preacher. And he happened to be in a new town, and he was setting up, he was on an evangelistic tour, and he was sharing the gospel, and he was setting up a tent when a couple tough thugs came up to him. And uh, he wasn't doing anything, he was setting up, and they noticed him, and he looked over, and he saw these guys, and they kept coming closer and closer to him. And when he came up, they didn't know his background as a boxer. And the one thug just looked at him, and he took a swing, and he hit him on the right cheek. And the pastor turned and just put his jaw out, and he turned, and he swung, and he hit him in the other cheek. And at that point, the preacher just stepped back and he took off his coat and he rolled up his sleeves and he said, the Lord gave me no further instructions. <laughs> and so he knocked the dude on his butt. <laughs> I think he does give us a little more instruction. But. I understand. And sometimes the hurt and sometimes the pain of the past, it's affecting your future because some of you just can't let it go. So when you hear that phrase, love keeps no records of wrongs, you just sit back and say, that's kind of impossible for me. And maybe it is, but I just don't believe it's impossible for Jesus in you and through you today. So how do we see it in Jesus? Well, let's take a look at him, since he's an amazing model. There's a couple stories. One of them was the Pharisees brought a woman who was caught in adultery, and they said to him, hey, the law of Moses says you need to be, this lady needs to be stoned, stoned to death. And it says, what do you say, Jesus? And Jesus was bending down, and he was writing in the dirt. And he looked up in John chapter 8, and he just said, lest any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And then he looked down and he started writing again. And when he looked up, the men were gone. And in John 8, verse 10, Jesus straightened up and he asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Can you imagine what rushed over this woman can you imagine the peace and the grace and the hope? Can you imagine when Jesus said, I'm keeping your file cabinet closed. Your past is forgiven. Now walk into the newness of life. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus was hanging out with some dudes and one of his disciples, Peter, he asked him, he said, hey Lord, how many times do I have to forgive my friend or my neighbor or my brother or sister who, who has done something against me? And he said, up to seven times? And he was feeling pretty good because the Jewish rabbis at that time were teaching, hey, if you forgive somebody up to three times, that's pretty good. So he went, I'm going to double that up. He said, how about seven times? And Jesus just said, hey, your thinking is a little small-minded, don't you think, Peter? Seven times? He said, why don't you think maybe 70 times seven? 
Which at that, they have to be thinking to themselves, what is he talking about? Just a little bit extreme, don't you think, Jesus? And then he tells them a story about a king. And it was a king who wanted to settle an account with one of his servants. See, his servant owed the king a ridiculous amount of money. In our day and age, the money would be worth about $20 million. And so this servant owed him about $20 million, and the servant couldn't pay it. The rest of his life, if he tried to pay it off, he would never get it paid off. And the king decided that he wanted him to sell everything he had, including his wife and his children, and that was going to pay off the debt. And this guy just cried and begged the king for mercy, and he said, listen, be patient with me. I'm going to pay you back. I'll get it done. But the king said, okay, I'm going to take pity on you. And he canceled his debt completely because he, could, he knew he could never pay it back. And now this servant was free of debt, and he went back to his village. He owed nothing, and now he had a servant of his own, and this servant owed him an equivalent of 20 bucks, not very much. And he said, I want you to pay me, and that guy said, I can't pay you right now. Will you have mercy on me? Give me grace. And he's like, are you kidding me? You owe me 20 bucks. And he had the dude thrown in jail. The king hears the story about the dude thrown in jail for 20 bucks, and he knew it was the guy that he just cut off his debt for 20 million and he called him back in and he goes what are you doing did you not receive grace did you not receive mercy and he says this in Matthew chapter 18 you wicked servant I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you and in anger his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. I don't know. I've noticed this about myself, but it, the Bible just tells us our hearts are a little wicked. Have you ever noticed how wicked we can be? Have you ever noticed how all we want for ourselves is mercy and all we want for everybody else is justice? See, the very same offense, yes, it was so much lesser. This servant wanted justice for him when he was just filled with grace and mercy. And Jesus ends the little parable and he says in verse 35, hey, um, just understand something. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. What he's saying here is your heavenly father has forgiven such a great debt for you that any debt that is owed to us by another human being is so insignificant in comparison. That God said, I gave my son as a ransom for all of your sin, past, present, and future. And it was enough. Now I'm asking you to do the same. And I thought to myself, how offensive just my sin is in the presence of God. Just how offensive my sin is, not including all of yours, and yet God gave his son for every single one of them. And I don't deserve him and I could never pay him back. And all he asks is that I believe and trust and then model his example in the world he's given us to live. I don't know about you, but I know when someone asks my forgiveness from their heart. And I know when someone asks forgiveness from their mouth. Two different things. You can look in somebody's eyes and know the, the sorrow or the regret and when they say you're sorry, you just know that there's something deep within them that just is really, really regretful. And Jesus says, I, I want the heart to be transformed. And love shows itself when you keep no records of wrong 
and you let go and forgive. And the last one's a really unique one because Jesus was about ready to go to cross and Judas was the big betrayer. And they said, the people that were coming to take away Jesus said, just give us a sign of which one it is and we'll come in and we'll take him away. And in Matthew 26, it said, now the betrayer had arranged a signal for them. The one I kiss is the man, arrest him. So going at once to Jesus, Judas said, greetings, rabbi. And he was setting him up and he kissed him. And listen to Jesus' reply. I have never noticed it before, but Jesus replied, do what you came for, my friend. Hmm. I don't think it was sarcastic. I think in that moment, what he was doing was saying, Judas, I'm giving you over to my father. I'm leaving room for him to do what only he could do. You are my friend. He showed the disciple Peter who denied him, that Peter became the rock upon which the church was built. Forgiveness was his character and who he was. And before Judas even did it, he just looked at him and he said, go ahead and do it, my friend. And what he was saying is, I've given you over to my heavenly father. I am leaving room for God's wrath. I am not going to take revenge. My father will take care of that. So today, we have some choices to make. Do we want to reflect Jesus? And if we say yes to that question, then we need to become great forgivers. C.S. Lewis says, um, everyone thinks forgiveness is a really great idea until you actually have to do it. And it's really great for somebody else. But many of us in forgiveness are just like that guy on, on the football field. We are running the wrong way. And we are running away from Jesus when it comes to forgiveness instead of actually running towards him and taking a step in the right direction. And here's what you need to know. I know for some of you, this is painful and it is a process. And it could take a while. But could I ask you today, would you consider the ways of Jesus and begin to walk towards it instead of away from it? And I don't know what that means. But maybe you start walking towards one another instead of walking away from one another. See, unforgiveness is an invitation for the enemy to gain a foothold in your life. And it begins to tear you up from the inside out. And you heard me say it before. That bitterness for you just builds and builds. And it's like drinking poison and hope the other person dies. But you're the one that's dying. So how can we be people who keep no records of wrong? We, are expected to we aren't expected to create forgiveness because we can't do it, but we are commanded to share it. And so I just want to say, here would be a few steps that I think would help us move towards each other in grace and trust. And Nikki Gumbel, a pastor in the UK, said it this way, the first person to apologize is the bravest. The first to forgive is the strongest. And the first to forget is the happiest. Hmm. One of the great joys of my job is that I get to sit with families who are disconnected and broken. And you might say, well, that's a weird thing to be grateful for. 
But here's what I know. When I come to the table and they sit on two separate sides and the daggers are coming across at each other and there's frustration and there's anger and there's pain and there's hurt and I hate walking into it, but I love walking out of it. I sit at the end and I get to say they've made a seat at least at the table and they've taken a step towards Jesus, not away from him. So we got a chance. And then I get to sit back and I get to set the ground rules and then I get to watch God work. And conflict, it's every day for all of us. We know that. And healthy conflict is good. And we need to talk. And the first thing I set the ground rules in is this. Number one, if you want resolution on everything in the past, you will not get it today. So if that's your goal, not going to happen. But if you want to move towards restoration, then I'm in. I'll stay for the conclusion. But you will not get resolution on everything in the past. You just won't. Some answers are never good enough for us. But if you want restoration and a step towards that, let's go. Second ground rule. I would love for you to attack the problem, not the person. I want you to attack the problem, not the person. If you attack the person, guess what? I get to throw a flag. And you're going in the penalty box. Do not attack the person. Let's attack the problem. And at the end of the day, third thing. We're going to pray, and we're going to pray together. We might not resolve everything today, but we're going to pray. And I love to sit at those tables because I can tell you, by the end, if they're okay with those ground rules, forgiveness begins to happen. See, forgiveness is about the past. Trust is about the future, and that has to be built over time, step by step by step. But I want to help you move forward. So today I want to tell you, here's some things that could maybe help you move forward, whether you're the offender or the offended, and then I want to tell you how you're going to be able to do it. And I have nine minutes and 16 seconds, so here we go. The offender. If you are the offender today and you have offended somebody, <clears throat> owning it and admitting it is a beautiful thing. I was wrong. I shouldn't have fill in the blank. Do you know how disarming I was wrong was? Do you know how disarming I am sorry I did whatever and that I caused you hurt and pain? You know what is not disarming? When you know you've hurt somebody and you say, if I've hurt you, <clears throat> then I am sorry. Well, yes, you have hurt me, so let me define that for you right now. No, can you just own it? I am sorry I hurt you. I was wrong, I shouldn't have, I am sorry, I did, and that it caused you hurt and pain. Will you forgive me for doing whatever you did? Will you forgive me? You know what I do with my, my kids? I don't let them get away with just the word, yeah. Yeah, okay. No, I want them to look me in the eyes and I want them to say, I forgive you. There's something about those three words. And when you look in the eyes, there's a connection that happens which much better than yeah or okay. I forgive you. I'm sorry. And then they reciprocate it back. I just want to encourage you. If you are the offender, start there. 
The offended, if you have been offended, here's where I'd like you to start. And some of you have today, and some of the past you might need to let go. And the first thing that it needs to be let go, who it needs to be let go with is God. God, I forgive blank for hurting me. There are people in my life that I probably in my humanness have justified that they need to ask my forgiveness. And they haven't. And I had to get to a point because they didn't even know there was anything between us that the only person it was hurting was me. Until I was able to go, God, I forgive, fill in the blank for hurting me, I wasn't able to let it go. But when I got to do that, and I just let it go. And let me just tell you, the goodness and the grace that washed over me and the peace that I have, it's really good. Some of you today might just need to go to God because in a human being who's not being led by the Spirit of God might not ever come back to you and offer you forgiveness. See, forgiveness is for the giver, not the receiver most of the time. It frees the giver. Whatever the person on the other side gets and receives, that is a bonus. So God, I forgive you. Second thing, I forgive you for when you are standing before them, I forgive you for whatever is hurting me. And then the third one, this issue is settled. Let's move forward. Forgiveness is surrendering my right to hurt you for hurting me. Surrendering and forgiveness is giving up my right to open up the file cabinet every time you do something wrong because I got your past right here and I'm going to let you know about it. Forgiveness is not playing the record over and over again and allowing the enemy to defeat you and hold you hostage to someone else's hurt towards you. I want to say it this way because this word forgiveness is hugely important and there's a lot packed into it. Forgiveness is for you to give away to restore oneness with God and each other. Forgiveness is for you to give away to restore oneness with God and each other. Matthew 6, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Corey Tim Boone was a Dutch Christian who they hid Jews in their home during the war. Because of that, her and her sisters and father were sent to Robinsbrook concentration camp where her sister Betsy and her father died. After she was released, Corrie Tim Boone went around the world and spoke about forgiveness and the grace and the love of God. She ended her days here in Fullerton, California, right around the corner. She was speaking in Germany once, and afterwards, when she was done speaking, a man came up to her that she recognized as one of her cruel guards from Robinsburg concentration camp, but he did not recognize her. And she said immediately she became angry and filled with, with anger and memories of this cruel man and what he did as he paraded them naked in front of the entire camp and abused her family physically and mentally. And she said in that moment, I felt so cold and angry inside. And he walked up and he stuck out his hand and he went to shake her hand and he said, I want to let you know that I am a Christian and I received God's forgiveness and grace and I wanted to come and ask one of my very victims to forgive me as well. And here is what Corey Tim Boone said in her own words. Take a look at the screens. Will you forgive me? And I could not. 
I remembered the suffering of my dying sister through him. But I was not able, I could not, I could only hate him. And then I said, thank you, Jesus, that you have brought into my heart God's love through the Holy Spirit who has given to me. And thank you, Father, that your love is stronger than my hatred and unforgiveness. That same moment I was free. And I could say, brother, give me your hand. And I shook hands with him. And it was as if I felt God's love stream through my arms. You never touch so the ocean of God's love as that you forgive your enemies. Can you forgive? No. I can't either. But he can. That, God, your love is stronger than my hatred and my unforgiveness. She stuck out his hands and felt the power of God. She moved towards forgiveness and not away from it. Followers of Jesus here this morning, I just, I want you to hear this. It's really important. If Jesus' blood that was shed for all of your sins isn't great enough to cover up all the stains of your past, then what he did, what you're saying with unforgiveness is, it wasn't good enough for me. It wasn't enough for me. It didn't cover that. It didn't cover the yeah, buts. But Jesus comes and he says, listen, my grace is sufficient. I went to the cross for your sins, but I went to the cross for the offender who sinned against you. And you might, in this face of this earth, be able to restore and reconcile and get everything and all the answers you want. And I want to tell you, some of that pain in this earth might just still be there. But if you keep trying to do it in your own strength, you're going to be just like her. You can't. And I can't either. So you have to decide if you're going to allow Jesus to actually shine in your life and do it through you. For the power of the Spirit of God that dwells in us is peace and its patience and its kindness and its goodness and its faithfulness and its gentleness and its self-control. And against all these things, there is no law. There's nothing that can stand when you stand for and like Jesus. And there is nothing greater than to show the picture of his love than grace and forgiveness. So today, for some of you, you need to understand the unlimited forgiveness. And you need to be able to just shut the file cabinet forever and let someone else have freedom because it's the only way you'll be free. Isaiah said, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remember your sins no more. So this morning, how do we move on without holding on? How do we forgive and how do we move forward? Because I promise you, forgive, forgiveness is the gift that continually keeps being given and breaks you free from the chains of the past. Well, here's what I say. To admit that you can't forgive, but that God can through you. And to quit allowing the devil to have a foothold. 
And so some of you need today, today to just let go. Some of you daily need to call on the power of the Spirit of God to fill you with peace and your mind with joy and your mind with acceptance in his eyes. And you need to quit playing over and over and over again the past of pain and hurt. And some of you today just need to let it go. It's sort of like this shredder. God says, it's gone. Your sin, your past, your hurt, I conquered it. Trust me. Give it over to me. Surrender to me. Because in your humanness, you won't be able to. And can you imagine, just imagine what would happen in this, this body of believers? If we could just let go. If we could just say, it's okay. Forgiveness is not letting them off the hook, okay? It's putting them on God's. And I have people in my life that I wanted to keep on my hook. And I had people I had in my life that I wanted to get in a room and I wanted them to feel my wrath. And God said, okay, is that of me? I wrote a note this week to somebody that had written me a letter and asked forgiveness and I was holding on to it and I hadn't done it yet. And I sat at my desk and I wrote a note and I just said, I want you to know, thank you, I forgive you, we're good, it's all okay. And you know what it was like when I gave that to my assistant to mail? Peace. I'm just like you guys, man. This is tough. But for Jesus, it's what he does. So would you stand with me? Today I'm going to pray for some of you to let go of your past. Today I'm going to pray for some of you to finally start living for your future. Today, I'm going to pray for some of you who have never accepted the unmerited favor of the goodness of God by accepting his son, Jesus Christ, as your Savior and your Lord. Today, he came into this place by the power of his Spirit, and he's speaking to some of you. <clears throat> and he went to a cross, and he died on that cross for your sin and your shame and your past and your present and your future. And he says, I want to be in relationship with you. I love you just the way you are. I just don't want you to stay that way. My prayer today is that you accept that free gift of salvation. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. We thank you for your, your word that is powerful. We thank you, God, that you have called us to love. And a deep, beautiful expression is that is, as your believers, we keep no records of wrongs. And we look at that and we say, how in the world? So thank you for someone like Corey Tim Boone who just laid it out. We can't, but you can. So today I want to pray for some people who've been running the wrong direction. God, they've been running away from forgiveness. They've been holding on. The past um, is affecting their present situation and it is affecting their future. I want to pray for some today that they just need to close the file cabinet. They need to quit 
bringing up the past and holding it over. And they need to trust you. So whoever that is, God, I pray they would let it go. And some today, Father, have never received the beautiful gift of salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. And in this moment in their hearts, they just need to say, Lord Jesus, I choose this day to believe. I ask you to forgive. I thank you that you forget and you blot out my sins. I need a savior. And I call on you right now to save my soul. God, we thank you for people who in their hearts have uttered those words to you. And so we pray in this place and in this church that as imperfect as we are and in all of our brokenness and all of our humanity, God, that we would move towards forgiveness and not away from it. That God, in the past when maybe we've just put up walls, that we would break those down. And that God, this place would be a reflection of you. So thank you for your grace. Thank you for this great place called Friends Church and the people that are a part of this family. And thank you today, God, that we get to celebrate all that you can do in us and through us in a supernatural way. We love you and we give you all of this in the powerful name of Jesus, we pray, amen.